sip that water. Mm. That's quality faucet. <laughs> That's quality tap water. All right. Hello and welcome to <laughs> episode 11 of Breathing Room. I'm your host, Rob Lavati. I'm here today with Musashi um, or Zero. Tyler, I'm going to call you all three throughout the show, so I wanted to introduce you by all three. All of them. Um, This is the fourth part of our hip-hop series, so this will be episode four, focused somewhere around Mm hip-hop. So far, we've had Spaceman Jones and the Motherships, Mad Mike from Natural Born Leaders, and we also had um, Philo Reitzel. Yeah, Um, all the homies. All the homies, man. It's been real cool. Everyone's been really candid and open about mm-hmm. their experiences and about their music, and everyone shared some pretty cool tracks. So I know tonight's going to be a lot of the same. Um, okay. I've had the pleasure of seeing Zero out a couple times at Mothlight and even Static Age Records. I think I saw uh-huh. you there once or twice. Yeah. Um, really unique artist, someone that I enjoy a lot. You'll hear in his acapella performances tonight. Um, a really interesting and unique vocal inflection that I want to talk a little bit about uh-huh. because the first time I spoke to you face to face, I was like, yeah. no, I wasn't expecting that <laughs> based on hearing your music. Uh-huh. Um, and then I want to talk a little bit about um, some things that I've gotten requests on in the past couple weeks here, okay. which is trauma mm-hmm. and therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you address trauma through therapy? When is it time to go th- go to therapy? What's that experience like? Um, l- luckily, I say luckily now, it's been a, a lot of work, but I mm-hmm. have a lot of experience in therapy. Mm-hmm. So I can share some of that. Um, yeah. And I'd love to get your experience on either going or not yet going. Totally. Um, and we can talk about when it's time to actually go out and seek help, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so, um, I would just want to shout out real quick, our producer tonight, Matt Dunn of AV live. He's yep. Yep. He's running the, the live production here as always. Um, and also a big shout out to Asheville play studios. Um, it's been our 11th episode that we've done out of the studio here and I couldn't be more grateful for them. It's a really cool place. If you have an interest in starting a podcast and not the resources to do it, give them a, um, a look online. It's just AshevillePlay.com. Um, you can take a look into what their packages are like for subscribing and becoming a podcast member at the studio here. All right. So, Before we get started today, um, as always, we do a quick uh, moment of silence in the beginning of the show. 10 seconds. Anybody who's watching on YouTube live, um, be sure to join us or turn it off. If if I can't keep your attention for 10 seconds, that's okay too. Um, All right. So let's do it. Ready? You can close your eyes if you want. I like closing my eyes. I'm going to think about something special. Go for it. All right. I hope everybody thought about something special. Very. Coming up on Valentine's Day. If you don't have plans um, the night mm. before, mm-hmm. like that segue, oh, yeah. you can go check out Zero. He's going to be over at the Moth Light with Spaceman Jones, Mad Mike, Motherhood. All the homies. I, I mean, a lot of the people that have been on the show here. So. Juan Bounce, Boy yep. and Sleep. 
Really great lineup. Yeah. Really, really great lineup artists. I just bought my tickets today. Oh, really? Yep. So I'll be there. Good deal. Yeah. I'm going to celebrate it as in like anti-Valentine's Day party though. I think that'd be fun. Well, that's kind of, that's part of how I wanted it to feel. Yeah. was, um, I just wanted to celebrate all my friends, all their friends, our community. There's going to be food there. So I just wanted to have like literally a big party. Because I know that not everybody's going to have something to do on the day after on Valentine's Day. So, yeah. Um, so, this is like can be Valentine's Day plans, but it's also just an opportunity for everyone to come out, bring your friends out, celebrate. Um, Bodega Cubana will be there doing um, a Cuban food pop up. Nice. Empanadas, pork and beans, rice plates, stuff like that. Uh, Conjure Craft Chocolates is going to be there as well. Um, and they're going to be providing. Um, scratch made chocolates of all kinds of varieties, brownies, uh, gluten free peanut butter cookies, so much uh, stuff. They're hooking it up. Really, like, really. And then um, my friend Carlos is doing a photo booth as well. Cool. And then all of the performers that we just mentioned, I think we're doing like five hours of music. Um, it's going to yeah. be a good night. Oh, it's going to, it's, yeah, I can't wait. I want to, I drink hot tea when I'm on stage. So hot tea, empanadas, rapping. Hanging out. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's like all the boxes are checked. Really, though. Like, when I was talking to um, Sam of Bodega Cubana, that was kind of one of my uh, requests, was empanadas. A variety of empanadas. That was was a part of the deal that we agreed to, so. Nice. What's your favorite kind of empanada? Um, You know what? I haven't had enough varieties yet to know, like. I guess that's a part of the experience I'm going to be having that we'll all be having on February yeah. 13th is uh, we're going to try. I think um, I'm getting the menus together with them right now. So I think she's looking at a beef chorizo, mm. a guava maduro, which is like um, like fried plantains with caramelized onions um, and like an aioli or something. And uh I don't know. We've been chopping it up, kind of messaging back and forth about what we want right. the menu to look like and what food and stuff like that. But um, I'll be I'll be updating everyone uh, more on on what all the food will be. Cool. Yeah. Have you had empanadas with olives in no, them? I haven't actually. I don't know if it's Colombian or or Venezuelan, but uh-huh. one of the traditional types of empanadas have olives, and I'm not I can a get fan. Into that. I'm not crazy about olives, but I am crazy about trying new foods. I feel that you know so. I definitely would give that. You're a, shot. a food guy, right? You're pretty passionate about food. Um, in a weird way, yeah. Like, um, I really do love food. I don't know nearly as much as I'd like, and I've been trying to step into cooking it more myself. But, um, it is just a fun field of kind of art and expression, and it's delicious. So it's yeah. just like you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's like a little side thing. Yeah, a side passion. But uh, I definitely get inspired by it, and uh. Yeah, I love food. I have a roommate, but um, he pretty much does all his food stuff himself. So for all intents and purposes, I'm normally cooking for myself. And I have a hard time getting into the art and passion of cooking when I'm doing that. When I really care about it is when I'm doing it for other people and sharing that experience. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, No, you're right about that. But when I'm cooking for myself, I just like throw some chicken in a pan and like some rice in the microwave and I'm like, cool, dinner. Yeah. I find myself going out and chasing uh, unique opportunities, like unique food experiences. Um, 
Ganshan Station was one of my favorite spots in town. Oh, yeah. They are unfortunately closing. Um, I went in last night. Yeah, I know. But they did um, a vegan Vietnamese food menu. They did a vegan Korean food pop-up menu. That was really crazy. The Korean one was really good. Yeah. Yeah, that was really great. Um, Had charred octopus for the first time like a month ago. Hmm. Um, So I was thinking, uh, this is a funny thought. Charred octopus reminded me of like a hot dog. Like when you leave it on the grill too long and it gets charred, the texture and the fact that like hot dogs and octopus, they don't really have too much of a distinct flavor of their own. It's more embodiment of like the char and the texture and then everything you put on it. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about how you could do like a charred octopus hot dog, right? Like on a bun. Right. And I haven't explored this idea yet. What would you put on it as a topping? I was thinking like a kimchi or... I, I don't like, know. We could go real left field with it. Like chocolate syrup. Chocolate syrup. <laughs> yeah, like that Limp Biscuit record. Uh, uh, what is it? Chocolate starfish and, chocolate and uh, hot dog flavored water. It, yeah, it's kind of, chocolate starfish means something completely different. Yeah, yeah. I learned that once I grew up. Give it a Google if, if you don't know what the chocolate completely. starfish is. Uh, <laughs> look it up right now. And Limp Biscuit. And Limp Biscuit. Yeah. And break stuff. <laughs> Do you ever get mad and listen to that song? I think everyone has at some point, right? Even when I was a... It's just one of those days. Chainsaw. Skinny Chainsaw. Ass, raw. Yeah, dude. Uh, I can't I've remember. I've felt it, that way before. When I was a kid, I definitely still saw the humor in Limp Bizkit, even though I did like how the, I think the bass player looked. He, um, he always wore like the mask or face paint with right. the contacts, mm-hmm. like the black contacts and... Um, I was more of a Lincoln Park guy. Oh, like, me too, I kinda man. was like, I kind of came up more in the Lincoln Park, uh, era. Yeah. Of rap rock. Yep. Me too. Yeah. Um, from a pretty young age. Yeah. Yeah. The, all the, all the goats of, uh, of the rap rock era. Shout out, uh, shout <laughs> out the Lincoln metal Park. era. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you dabble into like corn at all? A lot of my friends did. I never got too into corn. Um, just with some butter, it's good. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. What exactly. Are we about? A little chipotle, a little <laughs> mayo. Um, no, I never really got too into corn. I did go through like a metal phase. Yeah. And um, I've been through a lot of musical phases, but hip hop definitely kind of took the wheel around the time I was fifteen and became uh, like I describe it as like life genre. I love music of all different kinds. Mm-hmm. I'm a very passionate music listener. I'm a very passionate music fan, but hip hop really became my defining genre, like that I identified with so much that I wanted to like do it myself. And, you know, what is it about hip hop that you identify with so closely? When I was younger, I really liked the underdog element, the the underdog narrative in hip hop, this kind of, um, undefeatable, um, indestructible character. Mm -hmm. Um, when I was younger, I just really thought that was such a cool thing to emulate and cool way to present yourself. Um, and then as I've gotten older, my appreciation has broadened in so many different ways. Um, of course, the technical elements of rapping. Um, I'm fond of the Kendricks, the Aesop Rocks, and and right. the Homeboy Sandman types. Um, but also just the personality-driven side of things, too. I really just like the fact that in hip-hop you can through sheer charisma and personality 
and you can lack a technical element, but through just being um, a compelling person, you can make like fun songs or interesting songs. Dare I say 21 Savage? Um, I like some 21 Savage. The Savage Mode mixtape I thought was pretty good. Uh, everything he's released past his real like a rise a couple of years ago, I haven't been that fond of. But He just won a Grammy. I saw that him and J. Cole For a lot. That's shout a good out North song. Carolina. Yeah, it shout is out a good to J. song. Cole, man, he's Twenty One uh, Savage. It's like he's like his flows have gotten better. He's yeah. technically become a better rapper, but that's almost not what I wanted. I don't really want him to be good at rapping. I kind of liked him just like whispering menacingly right. on like dark beats. I kind of like that more than him actually rapping. But that's just me. I'm not throwing any shade when I say this, but when I listen to a lot, it feels like if I wrote a rap song when I was in the sixth grade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How many problems I got? A lot. A lot. How, how many homework? times I cried? A lot. It's <laughs> big of you to admit. How many people? <laughs> how many people done died? Too a many. A lot. A lot. Yeah, a lot. True. Um, it's a good song. I'm not gonna hate on it it's much. A, it's much a fine, more. It's I'll a probably still make more jokes about it, but go for it. Um, they got their Grammy. Our opinions don't matter to them. Yep. It's not my and favorite. Shout song. out to. I say shout out like they're listening. Hey. <laughs> Tyler, the creator, won Yo. the Grammy, and I've been a fan of his since, like, 2009, 2010. Yep. Yeah, Tyler's like when awesome. Yonkers dropped, mm -hmm. a really weird music video where he, like, eats cockroaches and shit. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, he's been, um, he's been one of my, he hasn't influenced me in the sense of how he raps or what he raps about, but his career arc mm -hmm. has been something that I've really enjoyed seeing. Um, over this last decade, really, um, right. from going and being like an edgy, like offensive teenager, like a shock jock kind of like who would performer. sing about Hitler, yeah, like, like ridiculous yeah. shit. And um, now he's doing like he did the Gris the Grinch Christmas soundtrack like yeah. uh, two years ago, uh -huh. and he's doing jazz R and B. You know the record he just won the Grammy for Igor. You know it's hardly even a rap record. It's hard yeah. to say it's a rap record. Um, so. I've always appreciated his vision and you can see it in his videos. He's always had like really distinct videos, um, which I've always really loved. Oh yeah. That element. Travis Scott too. Any rap artist that really goes out of their way to have elaborate visual components. Um, I always really appreciate that. Definitely. Yeah. I feel that way about Kendrick. I feel mm -hmm. that way about J Cole and everyone on that Dreamville rotation. Um, yeah, it's they kind of have the full package. I feel that way about you, honestly. I really enjoy you. your music video for Strawberry Fields. Yep, really cool content. One. Like, definitely has a vision behind it, a concept yeah. behind it. I think it's lyrically strong. Thank you. Um, for sure, in concept. Yeah, it's nice. A whole man. song about a strawberry cake. It's yeah, like, yeah. And it made me really want a strawberry cake. I ate that whole cake. Did you? I did. Like at once or? Well. Um, probably it took me like, it was inedible after like four days, but I, yeah. at the end of the video, like you finished it, you saw the yeah. whole video. Um, I flipped the cake off my lap, mm -hmm. right? If you watch that last moment of the video, you can see the rotation that the cake is, the trajectory of the cake and the rotation that it's going through. You can see how it would land with the plate on the ground. <laughs> So obviously I can only do that, excuse me, I can only do that shot one time, right. got one cake. And I kept hesitating. And Andrew Anderson, who does the videos with me, shout out to Andrew. Um, Is he a local guy? 
local guy. He does like all the best videos in town, but uh, he and I specifically have a really special thing. Cool. He, he, he and I make like we're like this great duo. Works perfect. Um, and he's on a rail, kind of like that thing. And he's pulling. Yeah, that thing's cool, huh? He's pulling in and out, you know, to get that final shot. And I'm sitting there hesitating, like, no, I can't do it. Like, eh, eh. and I keep stalling. And then I finally just go for it. And it was this perfect rotation where it landed flat on the ground and we didn't lose any of the cake. Like, literally, wow. like, none of the cake was lost. So You couldn't um, have planned it any better. It was crazy. Yeah. 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 So I added cake flipper. It's on the resume. Nice. Yeah. It's like a part of my reputation. No, that will come in handy one day for like a birthday party. Like everybody check this out. Yeah, it's a great it's a great party trick. I show yeah. up to six year olds' birthdays and I just grab their cake and I flip it off the flip it off the table. God forbid you mess up though. You'd ruin their party. Uh, trial and error. You know, it's happened a couple times. I've ruined a couple birthdays. That's all right. Yeah. Don't invite me to your birthday. <laughs> I don't even celebrate my birthday. The older we get the it becomes more difficult. Yeah. Keep your expectations low. At a certain point, celebrating your birthday becomes about the people around you. Oh, yeah. And I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah, It's, a, it's, it's not it's, like being a kid where you're like, oh, shit, I'm about to get presents and cake and all my friends are going to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to get together with people, but no one's getting me gifts anymore. No. Maybe we should still do things that we did as kids for our birthdays now like maybe yep. you want to go play laser tag for your birthday laser tag would be great yeah um i had a dinosaur themed birthday party that would be really great dinosaurs are still really cool they're always going to be cool yeah shout yeah. out to dinosaurs yo shout out if you're listening yo, dinosaurs, dinosaurs real yeah. yeah i hate that it went the way it went ah oh, me too uh, man <laughs> R.I.P. to dinosaurs. You know, there's a conspiracy that there's still oh, one God. dinosaur out there somewhere. What, like Loch Ness style or Mariana yeah. Trench style? Yeah, yeah, like megalodon shark type thing. Yeah, and it yeah. survived for this long. Yeah, sure, I got it. Yeah, we'll make a movie about it based on a true story. Steven Spielberg. Right, exactly. I'd watch yeah, it. The Super Shark. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's dive into it. That was that was fun. I feel I feel ready to get into. Yeah. It. Yeah, I can talk for the meat and potatoes now. Let's do it. I'm hungry. So I want to start off. Tell me about um, your tape that's on Spotify, mm -hmm. Self-Hate as a Viable Currency. Okay. Number one, awesome name. Thank you. Um, I really resonate with that <laughs> and enjoy the title and like that you plug it on the album and say it multiple times. Album, mm -hmm. EP, what are you calling it, it? It's six songs. I guess technically it's an EP. Okay. Technically, but yeah. So, I've kind of been on a string of EPs. I've just been releasing a lot of conceptual yeah. little little EPs. Yeah. Tell me about yeah. the concept behind it, how it came to you. Um, I'm interested to hear about things like where some of the lyrical content comes mm -hmm. from, um, who produced it, um, and just really what that project is intended to communicate for you and represent for you. Um. I wrote it in September or like August to November, uh, 2018. Okay. I wrote it. And, um, a couple months before that, uh, one of my best friends, a very close friend of mine had passed away. Um, and for a lot of this, it, it took a while to hit me. It, it, the whole mess of it all took a little bit to kind of settle in and, um, 
once it hit me, I just completely started to fall apart. Definitely one of the most difficult times of my life. But my my friend Mason, who produces by the name G Thanks Mister, okay, um, Mister, he had been meaning to work with me. We didn't really know each other at the time, and we had been meaning to work together for a while. So I was busy. I hadn't been working with anybody. I wasn't really writing. I was just caught up doing shows, doing videos, other things. And when I really started to unravel, I sent him a message when I couldn't bear it anymore. Like I was just really struggling and I needed an outlet like Mm -hmm. desperately. I was, yeah, I was struggling. So uh, I hit him up and I was like, yo, as you make beats, send them my way. Just as you make them, just send them to my email immediately because I need to write, like I need to get this stuff off my chest. And so um, with the project, I I very deliberately set out to write something uh, a bit different from, from my usual Mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that I wanted the project to have a very raw clarity uh, and transparency. I, pulled back a lot of the more broad kind of vague um kind of esoteric stuff that i do with my writing i i stripped it back and made it as literal and clear as i could Mm -hmm. um so when you really break the lyrics down on this project it is um painfully transparent very my the intent of what i'm saying is very clear um that was definitely a feature of how i wrote it. it was just this kind of desperate need to get very literal thoughts out right uh because i was just suffering and i was miserable and struggling so um as far as the name i'm very fond of the name as well and it did capture a lot of people's imaginations the the name resonated with a lot of people the title track self-hate is a viable currency um, which I'm always very happy when, when my music, when the things that I write and pen out really, um, connect with yeah. people that this project really, it, it definitely is the thing that I've done that most emotionally connected with a listening base. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I felt that way listening to it, man. I listened to it last week. Um, I was on a plane on my way up to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And just put the tape on tape on and listened through the whole thing and made some mental notes on it. I think it's a really strong release. Thank you. Um, I feel the concept that you just described. Mm-hmm. I feel that when I listen to it, I actually listened to it twice back to back. Awesome. Um, Thank you. Wanted to make sure I kind of picked up everything that I was looking for in it. Sure. And, um, if you're watching and you haven't heard it yet, Go on whatever um, application you use for streaming your music, whether it's Spotify, Mm -hmm. iTunes. You're on Bandcamp as well, right? Yep, it's on Bandcamp. Um, And look up Self-Hate as a Viable Currency by Musashi Zero. Um, The spelling of that will be obviously in the title and the description of the video here if you need any help. Yeah. Um, Cool. Um, So tell me a little bit about what it was like growing up for you what what kind of kid were you um i was a really energetic kid uh talked a lot of shit i was definitely the type of kid you couldn't you couldn't tell me what to do Mm -hmm. i resented being told what to do yeah Uh, yeah did you get into fights i did 
but in those kid fights, like where no one can really get hurt. Yeah. As I, I've told people this before, but it's it's true. It's like I was a shit talking kid that couldn't be told what to do. I always ended up in confrontations, conflicts, misunderstandings, or things I just deliberately deserved um, from <laughs> all sorts of different people. Right. But when everyone started hitting puberty, you know, some guys just like turn into superhumans. They like get twice as tall. They get real big, you know. I didn't get any like I, you know, I didn't really like advance physically like that. Yeah. So I started to rein in like yeah. how much shit I was talking. It's gonna put you in your place real quick, right? But I recognized it early, so I've never gotten my ass whooped. That's good. But That's really I got in a lot of scraps when I was a kid, but they were like the harmless. You like you know the kids don't know how to throw punches and really do damage, so it was like um, harmless scraps when I was a kid, and then yeah, reeled it in at the right time so that I didn't ever take a. A fist to the face. That's good. Yeah. You got to know when to get out the game. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> or just don't play the game. Yeah. I don't That's really what play. I used I to do as a kid. I would run away from any confrontation. We got off the mm-hmm. bus one day, freshman year of high school, and two kids started fighting, and I literally ran away from it. You were like, this is not my like, I wanted no part of it. Fair enough. Now I'd at least probably watch and like put money on one of them. Make sure everyone's okay. Make sure it doesn't that go too, too far. Yeah, I you guess know? that too. You just you don't want anyone to get like too badly hurt, and you have to record it. Someone has to do that, and I'll yeah, be glad. Of course. I got the new iPhone; I can record it and Ooh, that, put it up there on World Star. Uh huh. The camera quality on those iPhones. The three cameras. I still don't wow. understand what the purpose wow. is, but like I feel powerful. The fights look great. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to hold it horizontally. Mm hmm. At a concert too. I hate when I pe- see people with the vertical phone just standing there. It's like, yeah, come on, stupid, turn it. Even, yeah, phones at concerts, it's like, that gets on my nerves. I saw someone with a full-blown, like, selfie stick at a concert. That's so dramatic. And they held it for about 45 minutes. That's so obnoxious. Crazy. (laughs) It was infuriating. It's, yeah. That's like people, (laughs) no, it's like I was at at Yosemite Yosemite National Forest, Uh and I couldn't tell you how many families were there taking pictures of the waterfall with their iPads. Like their yeah. 13 inch, 14 inch iPads. Yeah, it's like they're holding a dinner plate. I was, and there were so many people because it was a Memorial Day weekend that I was, oh, wow. I was looking at the waterfall through people's iPads. That's why, that's part of what's so annoying about it. Like at concerts, is like clear picture. Everyone's got their hands up, so I can't see the stage. Yep. All I can see is what's coming through their phone. That's the like most annoying way to have to see my favorite performer. <laughs> yeah, it's, you're so right. <laughs> Yeah, there's something to be said. I'm not like an anti-phone guy. I know some people are like super, like, like they hate phones. They hate technology. Yeah. I'm not on that wave, but th- there is a time and a place. Yeah. Um, How do you feel about like Jack White, for example? Mm-hmm. He um, restricts phones at his shows. And if you're seen with one, security will come over, it's tell you to put extreme. it away or take it. It's a little intense, but that's, his, that's his prerogative. Yeah. And if that's how he feels that his audience will will you know receive him most potently then i think it's an ego thing but i I do think Uh a performer of his caliber should have control over the atmosphere to a certain extent yeah Yeah, um so like maybe i should see is that a jack white show like what i think would be cool on time as an experiment when you do a show Uh would be to request that no one makes a sound during your performance (sighs) 
I would, that would be nice. I've heard of performances like that where even in between songs, no one claps, no one makes a sound. Oh. You just let that atmosphere totally carry into the next song. I mean, honestly, that would work really well for the Self-Hate is a Viable Currency project. Because um, when I started performing it live in front of people, you never know how people are going to receive something. Like You never right. know. Once you take it out in front of people, you really have to own it and be like, oh, I wrote this in private. Now I'm here in public Mm -hmm. and i'm like shouting this at people yeah and it is strange seeing how people receive things how it hits people how they respond to it i performed one of one of the first times i performed it was at a rat fest in the river arch district and um half the crowd the people that didn't know me i couldn't tell if they were like so taken aback and confused and like scared for me because it's like they're watching this cathartic meltdown they're watching me kind of like have this emotional break right um and so some people are watching a train wreck and they're kind of their their jaws just dropped and they're kind of just like staring onward like kind of confused and then a song will end and they kind of like they're kind of stuck like they kind of just stand there because they don't know if they're supposed to clap because they're like this guy's kind of losing his mind right now yeah um but i always try to bring levity to all my shows, drink hot tea. I gave out apples that night. I handed out a whole bag of apples that night. Um, what kind of apples? Uh, they're at at <laughs> at, at Ingles. There, uh, uh, there's bags of apples. They're called little snappers. Uh, they're kid sized fruit, um, which is such a funny concept to me. It's just, <laughs> it's such a strange thing. But um, they're kid sized fruit. They're pink ladies, I think, is what they are. Yeah, yeah. They're nice and crisp. They're not too mealy. Okay, um, that's good. So shout out to Pink Lady Apples. Those are really quality. And um, But I gave out a whole bag of those. If you're listening, Pink Lady. Yeah, if you're li- little Snappers, if you're listening, yeah, uh, hit me up. Uh, I really fuck with your apples. Um, <laughs> Who likes a mealy apple? Like a red some, delicious? Some fucking weirdo. Ugh. Some fucking creep. Like the kind they pick for every school cafeteria? Yeah, something gross. Oh my God, it's like... They pay like 42 cents for apples for the year. For the year? For the year, yeah. Where's We need Michelle Obama's initiatives back. Didn't she do that food initiative for cafeterias? Yeah, but like that probably meets the requirements. Like they're giving you an apple check. We need, We really need to step our game up as a nation. We, I need, want, we need more snappers. I want studies done to make sure that it's like really an apple. Because at a certain point, I don't know. Anyway, um... So I'm gonna bring this one out of left field for you. Curious to know, and I'll I'll show you mine first, and then maybe it'll be oh. a little bit easier for you to show me yours. But <laughs> um, a big part of um, the impetus for starting this show, I'm pretty open about it. I've talked about it on most episodes. Um, September 2017, so just a little over two years ago, mm-hmm. um, I lost my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, he took his own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has been like a fire in me, man, yeah. you know, is really yeah. the only way I can put it. Sometimes that fire burns so much that it comes out of my mouth and other times it goes out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's there and I don't think it's ever going to go away. Um, yeah. And I'm curious to know what's, what's the hardest thing you've faced in your life? Um, Hmm. 
the loss of my friend and the inspiration for that project, the self-hate project, is up there. Um, yeah. That really was one of the most difficult times of my life. Was um, it a sudden loss? Extremely. Like, yeah. as sudden as it gets. Um, yeah, he, to be blunt, he overdosed. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to ask. No, you never want to ask. But. Yeah, it's a weird line. It's, it is a weird line, um, but it's okay. It's um, But he overdosed and he passed away. Um, so it was extremely out of nowhere no no one saw it coming at the time i i didn't i wasn't aware that he had of his condition that he had relapsed that any of that was going on right um so literally no one saw it coming but um that is really high up there um and in part because he was such an important individual in that we had so much in common we were natural best friends the moment we met it clicked like it was just you meet some people and there's just so much context that's already kind of laid even right. before you like meet them you just have the, all this stuff in common you're just kind of like so similar um so and i keep a pretty small circle of friends yeah. um and he was one of the most important so that really rocked my world and has caused me to have to be a whole lot more mindful of how often I take breaks from working on music. I overwork myself. I obsessively work. It's a blessing and a curse type thing. But yeah. if I'm not careful, I just will go until I'm ready to drop and I have no emotional buffer between me and the regular world. And so I just become very vulnerable, yeah. which is like not, um productive honestly yeah um so i've after his loss a part of what i've had to begin doing is being a lot more aware of taking breaks spending time with friends making relationships and connections and actually like seeing them through like going out with people and um yeah just having more of a social life um yeah definitely was one of the the repercussions of of that loss yeah um and just like general weird anxieties that come out of it. Um, it's really strange anxieties that come from stuff like that, that you don't expect. Yeah. Um, so I just have to be more mindful of my mental state. Um, like all the time. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to say first that I feel terribly for you and the loss of your friend. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's it's unfortunate that we all know somebody, if not ourselves, have lost somebody to things like addiction or yep. suicide, yep. Um, violence. I a mean, addiction in a weird way is almost like a form of suicide in some it is. in some cases. It's yeah, it's a absolutely. strange. I understand that self destruction. I understand that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and. Um, the more I open up about my father, the more I realize how many other people are dealing because my dad yeah. was an addict as well, mm -hmm. functioning, um, went to work every day, yeah. but he would drink every day as well. Yeah. Um, uh, so like it helps me understand how common this problem is and how kept under wraps it is. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of times, like you said, you didn't even know your friend was struggling. Mm -hmm. um, you didn't know that they relapsed and they were having a hard time. These problems are kept pretty deep. I mean, people get good at masking it fully candidly. I've gone through periods of my life where I've had full blown addict tendencies. Yeah. 
and I've hidden them from the entire world. Yeah. From my job at the time, from mm-hmm. my family, my friends, my girlfriend back at the time. Like yeah. no one could know that I was going through this because I needed to keep control of it. And yeah. That's the fucked up part about it is that right there, that control, that need to try to keep it under those wraps mm-hmm. is what ends up being the thing that kills people sometimes because yeah. they keep it so wrapped up that they don't reach out for help when it's time to. Yeah. Guilt, shame. Shame is big, man. The culture of shaming addicts or shaming uh, individuals with different mental health issues um, yeah. is a huge part of what isolates people because um, they feel that no one cares to hear it or they don't want to bother anybody yeah. um, with, you know, like all the details or just like we all need someone to vent to. We really, it's important to have people that will hear you out, even if it's just venting about with no specific purpose just saying things out loud has a lot of power um i've always felt that speaking things out loud is really important and that goes for this kind of stuff too just venting at someone um with someone is a really important element to me totally unsolicited tip that i'll throw out Mm -hmm. related to that because i agree with you man i think we all have to find the space to be able to be vulnerable in that way with someone that we care about and we feel like they care about us a way that i've approached it lately to really help create that space is be deliberate about it Mm -hmm. if you're talking to a friend or your mom or your girlfriend boyfriend whoever Mm -hmm. your boss i mean you can find the space anywhere in your life ask and say hey there's something that's really been bothering me and i need to talk to someone about it is it okay if i vent to you for 10 minutes about it like Mm -hmm. do you have the space for that um because you'll get a straight up answer they'll either say like no man sorry like i had a pretty shitty day or right. they'll I don't say have the what, space for this they'll right say ninety five percent of the time, which is of course. Whereas yeah, if you just start venting, sometimes people will tune you out. You know? Yeah. So it's like being deliberate and saying, Look, this is bothering me. Can you help me? Yeah, it's okay to ask for help. Like it really is. And that's part of um I guess part of what the project was in a way, uh, was that I wanted to just I needed to get these feelings out and say them out loud, put them to paper. Um, express them and not be worried about when I wrote it there was no concern for reception mm-hmm. it was a cathartic expressive just like dumb like I was just putting it out I just didn't want to hold on to it anymore um, if I could equate it to a release in that mm-hmm. way it reminds me of J. Cole's um, For Your Eyes Only mm-hmm. did you listen to that tape? I'm not familiar with that tape actually um, he wrote it from the perspective of his best friend who was mm-hmm. um, murdered when he was 22 wow. and he wrote it from his perspective to his wow. daughter. Um, and that's more or less how it felt to me. He's like, I don't care how people feel about this. This is something I need to do. <laughs> yeah. Something um, you just need to get out there. Yeah. And um, fortunately when I, when I released the project, when I released the, the EP, the reception was great. And I had a lot of conversations with people in person at shows in my DMS. Like mm-hmm. I had a lot of conversations from its release in October all the way through like 
December with people about the project, about um, their struggles, about people that they've known. A lot of, I mean, we're living in an epidemic, like a lot of people have overdosed and passed. And um, so there's a, when I was performing it out live, I was in Athens, Georgia, and I did a, I performed some of the new music there for one of the first times. And someone came out of the crowd and started talking to me about their experience, who they had lost. And then the next day when I was back in Asheville doing Radfest, someone approached me. He had just moved here from Ohio and he was talking about how he had lost his brother six months prior and why that's how part of how he ended up here in Asheville was that he couldn't, it was driving him crazy. Like he couldn't stand to be in his hometown anymore. Like he needed to escape. So he came down here to kind of get some space for his head. Um, That's what Asheville is all about, huh? Yeah. Just a little, you know, clear your mind. So it's, it's speaking to people about it, expressing it and letting people know where you're at musically or otherwise um the majority of the time people are receptive and can really relate it's it's sad how many people can relate but it's a great thing that everyone can relate to it right but it is unfortunate that so many people have had to endure you know have you had anybody come up and just like give you a hug after performing it yeah well a lot of people yeah, like we're saying, a lot of people are touched by it and can relate to it and mm-hmm. have lost someone to it. Um, and so they understand a lot of, you kind of speak vicariously for people at times. They kind of, with music, you can avatar, you kind of embody something for them. And that project embodies a lot of anger, a lot of anxiety, a lot of sadness, a lot of despair, uh, rage. Depression. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that um, I think it's cathartic for people that can relate on a deep emotional level. They, I think, relate to the anger that I'm putting forward to and uh, um, because they felt it because it's something that there's not one person you can be mad at. It's very complicated emotionally to have. It's not there's not like one target. Right. Of like, this was the problem. It's it's this very dynamic, super complicated thing. Um, so there is a lot of just pent up general frustration and anger, uh, that sits on you. Um, and you don't know where to put it. I put it into music, but I hope everyone finds a place to put it. Yeah. I hear you loud and clear and I'm glad that you've found that place through music. It seems like that's where a lot of people end up turning, um, is creating music, creating poetry, creating visual Mm -hmm. art, um, creating something that you can translate pain into uh, a more beautiful form, I guess. Yeah. And pain can be beautiful on its own, but, yeah. um, this is slightly related, but something I think about, you say there's not one person you can be mad at or put the blame on. I agree with that statement. Mm -hmm. And I think it's weird in situations like Mac Miller, Mm -hmm. people are being prosecuted for the death of Mac Mac Miller and giving him tainted, shit yeah and i don't know how i feel about that Hmm. i mean who has the accountability in that situation it's hard to say (laughs) a lot of it's it is very it's a shared accountability yeah for sure to put it on someone and say you're the reason this happened you need to go to prison doesn't feel right to me yeah Um, it's it is complicated that's definitely a part of the fucked up matrix of it all it's like right yeah, that's kind of out there. Sorry for even bringing that up, but it's just no. Like I mean, you're not wrong. It is a, it's a head is, scratcher for me. 
Yeah, and it's not. Yeah, vengeance, seeking revenge on someone for their wrongdoing. Um, it's all just very complicated. The world is such a complicated place, and there's so many different ways to see things. Um, I'm sure that the person that sold Mac Miller that shit was probably terrified the moment that they heard that yeah, he had overdosed. That's exactly my thought. He was probably petrified. Yeah. Because uh, he knew that they were going to come find him. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. I, I. That's a rabbit hole I could dive down. Well, let's save that. <laughs> yeah. Because that is could, one hell of a, a that's, rabbit that's hole. That's an interesting rabbit hole yeah. that feels like it might have an alligator or two in the bottom. Uh-huh. <laughs> so let's stay away from that rabbit hole. There's something I want to pull on that you were talking about earlier, and then I'd love for you to share mm-hmm. um, an acapella piece with us. Yeah, yeah. You talked about recognizing through the loss of your friend that you need to take time for yourself, and you need mm-hmm. to let the tank fill up, and you need to take care of yourself, practice self-care. Um, very important stuff, how you take care of your body, your mind, um, all rolls together to create how you feel i think yeah and what i'm wondering is because i've seen you perform live and you bring a lot of energy um to your shows mm-hmm. um, which is really fun i have a lot of fun watching you play yeah thank um you. my question is how do you go create that when your tank is on e hmm. and that's a question that was submitted by a listener actually really um just in general they yeah. want to know how do people create when you're depressed or when your tank is on empty, you don't have anything to draw from. How do you go up there, still do the thing and make sure you're doing it well and doing it the way in terms of live performance, I think live and both as well for just creating and being creative kind of more generally for me. It's, it's, I, it's almost two separate things like live and, and, and writing it, the creative process of making it in private and then the live performance element of bringing it out in public. Um, live it's about, it's time to share it. So I might come into shows where I don't really have energy and I just drove five hours into another state. I'm tired. And then I have an hour to hang out before sound check. And then I have to get up on stage in front of all these people and Mm -hmm. find the energy to really deliver my message. Um, but for me, it's important to just come authentically. I'm very big on authenticity and just sincerity and being genuine, being honest. So I don't try to live up to any, uh, performance standards. Like I don't feel like I have to I try not to put that pressure on myself to like that, that I have to deliver this specific type of performance. Um, so like when I was in Athens, uh, I started the show just by quietly drinking water and hanging out. And, you know, I just kind of slowly worked my way into my set until I really started yeah. to like catch momentum and feel it. Um, and when I came the next night and when I was here in Asheville, this was back in September, um, you know, the, the host was hyping it up. She was hyping me up to the crowd and she was like all this energy. She was raising her voice. She was like, everyone give it up for me. Sashi zero, you know, everyone's climbing. And, um, I just been in Athens the night before my voice was kind of burnt out. I was exhausted. Uh, I came out just quietly drinking hot tea. Just, I just calmly just like strolled out 
and I just stood there and drank tea and hung out for a couple minutes and uh, just very like, you know, just slowly like made my way into the performance. Yeah. Um, That's so cool. in a live sense, I think I would be very uncomfortable if I f was trying to meet the standards of what other people think they're supposed to be receiving. I just try to come authentically and just let people know like, you know, I'm still going to do the songs, but you know, like I'm still a person. We're, we're hanging out. I'm tired. I just drove four hours. Like we're kicking it. I'll get there. Yeah. I just try to be honest with people. And that um, relatability, I hope that relatability resonates with people. And so we're just sharing this experience. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like, I hope that answers that question. No, it does. Um, it definitely does. And then when, with writing, um, sometimes I do take breaks from writing. I'll pivot to different elements of the music world. Might write a video treatment. I might start focusing on booking shows, sending emails, reaching out, networking, and that kind of stuff. Um, there's always something to do. Aside from just yeah. writing the music, there's a lot of other stuff to do. So if I feel like I'm worn out and I don't have much in the tank creatively, um, I try to pivot to other things that benefit the music but aren't necessarily the you know the one like creative writing like i'm not gonna sit down right. and write today maybe i'll just work on a visual treatment um which writing the music videos that i've created with andrew are really important elements to my workflow because i still get to be creative but it just isn't me writing it's it's uh, visually creative it's conceptualizing all these like visual elements mm -hmm. um so that's a really nice way to refresh myself um, while life kind of charges me up with um, things to say, things to talk about, you're kind of absorbing all this energy all day, every day, positive, negative. You're kind of just getting all this stimulus. And that friction kind of builds up and then you wait to release it. Like yeah. It's like a transference of energy is how I see like my writing process, like a lot of music. Um, is the world charges you up with all this stimulus, good, bad, everything in between. It kind of builds up inside of you. And then you just, it's the art of learning how to transfer that energy out, that emotional energy, transfer that out onto uh, a beat, onto an instrumental and writing a song out of it and kind of making something out of nothing, kind of making it out of thin air. You kind of materialize this thing. Um, but it requires that emotional energy that life puts on you. So sometimes you just have to kind of be patient yeah. And um yeah, don't push the process. I don't really try to Yeah, I don't try to pressure myself. Between live, I think that's the connector. Live performance and and, and in private writing, I I try not to put too much pressure on myself to yeah. exceed uh expectations or meet expectations. I just try to stay focused on doing what I came to do authentically. Yeah. And in that, I kind of have found a way to stay fueled sure. because I'm not acting. I'm not pretending. I'm just kind of being me. Um, That's how you make the truest, realest version of it. Like yeah. How you're feeling in that moment. Which is what I aim to convey. Yeah. yeah. I just want... That's why I drink hot tea and give out apples and hang out if I think that that's funny or if I think, you know, <laughs> like I don't, what I'm can not you worried give about out, that, yeah. What can you give it out the Valentine's Day show that would be funnier than an apple? Um, well, not to shade apples, but I am giving out empanadas for sure. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be great. That's just delicious um, though. Like I almost, yeah, I've considered like giving out like, like 
all sorts of different fruits. I've I've considered making it like a thing, you know? I mean, I don't want to like... I want to make a suggestion that you uh-huh. should only give people inconvenient food items. <laughs> like give out avocados one night. Right, right, right. Give out like a whole watermelon the next night. Yeah. <laughs> a pineapple, a pineapple and a knife, but people got to like cut up the whole... Right, things, it's like a two-hand multi-tool process. I'm going to give out uh, unshucked oysters. Uh... <laughs> Uh, February thirteenth at the Moth Light. So come through if you want some uh, some unshucked oysters uh, from uh, the Delaware Bay. Um, that sounds awful. Yeah, yeah. We're all like doing oyster shooters while you watch me rap. All right, I'm down. If if that's what I have to tolerate, I'm in. Yeah, we all have to do it. All right, it's actually going to be really expensive <laughs> on my part. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just try to like. I don't want to. If I'm, I think of longevity a lot. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to be doing this music thing for a long time. And a lot of people don't know that even though I'm 29, I started playing drums when I was like eight and I started doing shows when I was like 11. So music has been this thing like most of my life. I've been doing shows, making yeah. music, playing in bands, like writing music, doing all sorts of shit forever, ever. So um, it's just like this. It's just like a part of me now. Um, and if I'm going to do that and keep that moving forward keep that momentum it can't come from a place of me trying to meet other people's standards absolutely you know if i'm gonna have real longevity with it and and enjoy it enjoy the process Mm -hmm. then i have to do it for me and if that resonates with people that's wonderful and if some people don't get it or don't appreciate it then that that comes with the territory but um yeah sincerity authenticity transparency honesty these things are all kind of cornerstones of like why i do what i do and why i will be able to continue doing what i do for the long term um which is the plan and that's the pinnacle of what i look for as a consumer of music Mm -hmm. when i'm watching a live show is is this authentic does this feel real can I connect to where this person's coming from? And yeah. if, if that layer's not there, I have a hard time enjoying a performance. Yeah. Does um, this feel real is a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, and that's a difficult hurdle as an artist mm-hmm. to jump. Like I think you put it perfectly, though. It only happens when you're doing what's authentic in your eyes. You're not trying to meet anyone else's definition of what you should be. Mm-hmm. Um, including like in hip hop, it's hard because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of stuff that precedes it. You know, its reputa- reputation precedes itself, and there's a lot of stuff that maybe you're supposed to be in hip hop yeah. that God, you crazy. can also choose to ignore all of that. Yeah, there are a lot of preconceived notions when you tell someone yeah. that you're a rapper. Um, I typically fail to meet the majority of them, for better or for worse. Yeah. Yeah, but I try not to worry about that. I wouldn't um, be. But yeah, hip hop is a funny genre where everyone thinks they already know what it is. Right. Even though it's 2020 and it's very clear that it's this incredibly dynamic, varied thing that's like impossible to put in a box. But And it's living and breathing and yeah. changing. And yet people still have it in this very tiny little box of what they think you have to be. So when I tell people I rap, I see their face change. I see their body gestures change. Like, especially here in Asheville, hip hop's not a dominant genre. Right. Right. So. Which pisses me off. Yeah. There are a lot of Trust good rappers me, here. Hey, they're great. Uh, a lot of my friends, the Southeast is full of so much talent between the beat makers and the rappers. 
Like I've been putting on for people forever. Everyone that knows me knows I'm a huge fan of so many of my collaborators and yeah. beyond that here in the Southeast and in Asheville. But um, people think they know what you're supposed to be when you say that you rap and they, it hits them weird. You see it hit them. The moment it comes out of your mouth, you see it connect in their ear, goes to their brain, and then they start acting funny. And the first thing I always get asked, this is a pet peeve of mine, is I'll tell someone I rap, and their first question is, well, do you make the beats? <laughs> I'm like, do I like, have to make the beats? Yeah, like you have to you have to prove yourself to them immediately. Right. right. They're like, well, do you make the beats? Like, is that a requirement for you to, to respect me right now? Right. It's like, it's weird that that's so many people's first question that they jump to. A lot of rappers do not make why. their own beats. I think I know why. Why is that? I don't think people respect rapping. Uh, a lot of people don't. As an art form and a talent. And when I you agree. tell people that you do it, I think certain people... I'm glad if, you said it. If I, I believe it, yeah. <laughs> I think there are a lot of people like that. And as Spaceman said, he believes those people are dying, largely. <laughs> um, and I think he's talking about the older generations yeah. that don't see eye to eye with hip hop mostly but a lot of people don't know how to hear it they don't know how to listen every mm -hmm. genre of music you are listening for different there's a different there's a way to listen to every genre mm -hmm. I used to listen to tech metal and I would show it to friends and they would say this is jumbled nonsense this is a right. bunch of bullshit this sounds like random notes if you listen to that album intentfully for like four times it starts to fall into place you start to understand what's going on yeah. because you have to develop an ear to listen to this genre hip hop same thing you have to develop an ear for in real time hearing lyrics and keeping up with what's being said uh, a lot of people that maybe listen to a lot of like melodic driven music they're not used to worrying about what words are happening uh, That's right. or the speed at which they're happening so uh, my father and my brother they both don't listen to hip-hop and they both have a difficult time jumping that hurdle because uh, they haven't developed an ear for how to keep up they th right. to them it's just like a bunch of nonsense talking mm -hmm. um, but that's because their ears not refined for it so it's definitely a part of educating people or people taking their their own time and intentfully kind of like developing their own ear for it sure um, so that you really catch it um, yeah totally. and that's part of the responsibility I think as a music consumer is like you're not gonna like something the first time sometimes <laughs> that happens to it's me a lot when way. i listen to an album i'll go through it and i'm like meh yeah and then i'll listen to it three or four more times and i'm like oh man wait this is like really good <laughs> it takes yeah it takes a minute for it to settle in and yeah. um music that hits me a little too quick music that i fall in love with like immediately sometimes i get a little nervous i'm like did they just give me exactly what i wanted will this right. have you know like four months from now will this still be a dope record to me like answers might Usually not be. no. No. If like, it, it takes time to resonate. i admit it, like um, Old Town Road, the mm -hmm. little Nas X track, I was on board immediately. This From the second I heard it, I was like, okay, yep, this it's is a great dope. song. Love it. Yeah. And then I saw how big it got, and I didn't care. It didn't upset me. And then, like, about a month in, I was like, I don't want to hear this song anymore, guys. The joke like, is stale. And it's still going. It's still going right now. Yeah. And it's a. Uh, I'm just glad he didn't totally sweep the Grammys. He won like one or two for it. What did he win? What uh, best music video I think, or best duet like with Billy Ray Cyrus, one of the two. Yeah, yeah. I'm just it's glad a good he, duet. Yeah, it's a hot. It's a hot song. It is. And a funny. And let's video. talk about it no more. 
Yeah, we don't need to. All right, cool. Shout I really out. want you to share a piece. Could mm. you do something for us off of like self-hate or Well, I prepared a an a cappella version of Old Town Road, if I may. <laughs> if I All right, you got to go. Yeah. <laughs> Shut the cameras off. Get this guy out of here. Let's wrap. Thank you for joining everybody. (laughs) No, wait, wait. Abort. Abort. The next one's Panini. Uh, Stick around for Panini. I'm doing doing his song Panini after this. Oh, great. It's getting better and better. Uh, But yeah, no, I would love to share an acapella. Cool. Which one are you going to share? I think I'm going to do the first song off of Self-Hate as a Viable Currency called Hunted Bands. All right. One of my favorite tracks. I love this song. Cool. Hey, so much was defined in the dark. I barely found my way back. Saw myself in the mirror and forgot to wave back. I'm a hopeless little sucker caught up in the bait trap. You can bag me, you can sell me, but I'll never lay flat. I'm a fight or flight one night and never say fact. That's sick of the wheel of fortune. Fuck, say Jack. Oh, you don't say that. Now watch me buy a valve for every bump on your face. I owe you nothing. Get the fuck out my face. Bitch, I hardly love myself. You can't fuck up my day. I'm a walking into traffic in pursuit of the cake. Looking for the hole in the wall where I'll be choosing my fate. If you're not first, you're last. If you're not early, you're late. I've been casing the joint and perusing the gates. I could use some peace of mind, some heaven for heaven's sake. Huh? Huh? Hey. Faithless little fucker got obsessed with escape plans. Could die today, so fuck it, I don't make plans. Put a price on my own head so I could money dance. Hundred bands, hundred bands, hundred bands, hundred bands. Damn. Nice. Hundred bands. Hundred bands. Musashi Zero off of self-hate as a viable currency. Put that price on my own head. Just so I could money dance. You know my favorite line in that song? Could you Hmm. guess? Um... Casing the joint and perusing the gates. I could use some peace of mind, some heaven for heaven's sake. Close. Okay. Um, I could die today, so fuck it. I don't make plans. Yeah. Because I don't like making plans with people. I have like a real big commitment phobia. Yeah. So I'm going to just like adopt die that. Today? That's what I'm going to tell people. Like, hey, man, you want to hang out right. this weekend? Like, I could die today, so could, fuck it. I don't make plans. It's a good line. It's a good line for sure. It is. It is. So you're... Your inflection is like obviously probably the first thing that people notice about you. Um, yeah. It's very yeah, unique striking. and it comes from a cool place. It's got to hurt your throat sometimes. I've gotten, it's it's like I've gotten better with it for yeah. sure. For sure. I can do like full 45 minutes. That's now. That's good. Yeah. Is it like trying to find that place in your diaphragm where you can push it from? It is a weird thing. I still don't fully understand it. If I'm being honest, yeah, it hit you kind of like catch yourself like halfway, you know. Hundred bands, hundred bands. I don't think I could do little it. fucker got obsessed with escape plans, so it is. I can't do it. Yeah, it's weird. You're just I'm like catching it now. I don't know. It came from performing live. Is really where it came yeah. from. Um, I my first studio recordings uh, did not sound like that, and I just thought that they lacked the uh, the lyrics the words had this intensity uh the delivery did not mm-hmm. reflect it did not convey it sure. and so i did a show at timo's house r.i.p years ago r.i.p to timo's that was where i first ever got on a mic and rapped for money nice. and um 
because I was kind of nervous, I was straining my voice. I was really like projecting too hard, mm-hmm. kind of going overboard. And then when I was recording the following night, I was thinking about how my voice sounded while I was doing that. And I was like, I need to bring the raw energy of a live performance into the booth when yeah. I perform it. So that way it has that element that it was missing to match the intensity of the lyrics and the, um, so yeah, I big basically that's where I began. I, I started trying to piece together the intensity that I was bringing live and putting it in the studio. And then that it was the start of how I got my voice to where it is now. And, uh, and, and now it's one of the things that I'm best known for, uh, is this weird ace in my sleeve like yeah. no, people never see it coming so it's and it's interesting it's, it's fun yeah it yeah. is fun and like i remember the first time seeing you i was actually getting ready to walk outside with a friend when you started uh-huh. um going out for a smoke or doing something yeah when you started and i actually like stopped in my tracks and i'm like hold on i gotta go hear that like, that's dope that's yeah. dope yeah so um, i'm glad it can people that even if you're not a hip-hop listening individual mm-hmm you're going to pause yeah. when you see me looking the way I do, sounding the way I do. 100%. It, it, ca- it catches people. So it, it makes my performances a little more, um, I don't know, adds like a freak show element to it. People are like, what the fuck is this kid doing? Why does sure. he, you know what I'm saying? I don't look like I would do that. So um, I definitely like the shock factor of it. And my voice projects live really well. Yeah, it does. Um, there's a clarity yeah. in my voice live. Yeah. Um, you can... Uh, yeah, it has a good presence live. Yep. So, yeah, I lucked out. The voice thing works. It worked out. <laughs> I'd like to thank my mom. Yeah, exactly. God. I'd like to thank my mom, uh, Shelby, the Dalmatian I had when I was growing up. Um, uh, Shelby. R.I.P. Shelby. Um, Got to shout out my dog, Bruce. Shout out Bruce. Bruce, I miss you, man. I wish I could bring you to the studio with me. That would be great. All right. I'm over it. Um. So we're running low on time here, but one Already? thing I know, man, it flies by. I want to start thinking about maybe going to 90 minutes. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I can talk forever. I'm like the, the jaw jackery. Um, it's usually kinda... Matt. I'll look at Matt at an hour on the dot and he's like, cut it out. Uh-huh. Stop it now. <laughs> time. But like one thing that I've gotten three or four requests on that I want to make sure we talk about um, tonight is... People have asked about therapy. Is it effective? When is it effective? How is it effective? When is it time to go? When is it time to seek help? What is the experience like of going? Um, And I just wanted to provide a little bit of background on some of my experience here and see what yours has been. Yeah. Um, But I, in the past four years... I would say mm-hmm. I've really kind of dived into the world of therapy. I've done one-on-one therapy, like with a traditional psychologist. Mm-hmm. I've probably had eight different therapists. You don't find the one that's going to be right for you right away. And that's I what a lot of people so. don't realize. Yeah, You have to put in work to find someone that you're like, oh, wait, this person's dope. I want to go back to them. Yeah. So I finally have someone now. It's been the same person for about a year. Mm -hmm. Um, it took about six months for me to really come in defenses down and open up to her. I have a hard time opening up to women. Yeah. I can open up to men. I don't Hmm. know why. It's one of those weird complexes I have. 
I'm kind of the reverse. So it's been good practice for me yeah. in like being able to open up to a woman and totally. take my walls down and just talk. Um, no holds barred, you know? Yeah, candid. Um, so that's been on the one-on-one therapy side. And then on top of that, um, actually, let me pause there for a second. I think something I'd like to throw in at this point is like, when do you know it's time to go to therapy? That is a hard question and it's different for everybody. Um, have you been to therapy in your life before zero? I have not. Yeah. However, that is not to say that, that it wouldn't have helped. Sure. Um, I'm sure that there are several times in my yeah. life where therapy would have been uh, of great benefit. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's something I've said before on the show, and I really believe it is that everyone should be in therapy. I don't mean yeah. all the time, but sure. at some point, everyone should be in therapy. Yeah. I think everyone can use that connection and that space and that guidance, really. Yeah. Um, so that's and what's a third party. Yeah. Um, someone that's not so close yeah someone that it's a you're in a a specific environment where this is what happens when you're in this room with this person it's not it because it can be difficult for some people to divulge the the types of things that you would do therapy to a roommate or their sibling or their parents um so i think it helps i can see how it would help to be able to go to this designated space with this designated person uh, who you don't know in any other facet. Mm-hmm. You know, this is like their purpose to you. Um, and I think that I can see how that would be very helpful. It is definitely. And like, I can think of the times that I've called my therapist and just to get her perspective, mm-hmm. like, Hey, am I crazy here? Or am I reading this the right way? And it's nice to get it from her perspective and she'd be like, Oh yeah, no, you should you probably do this X, mm. Y, Z. Sure. Um, I don't want to give any specific life examples. Yeah. Um, not trying to throw myself under the bus, but <laughs> like I've definitely, yeah. definitely take her advice and like take it to heart. It's important to have that voice. Um, especially if you're second guessing things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So two quick things on a therapist and then I'll move on to different types of therapy that I've tried. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see somebody and they tell you what you should do, Oh, you should do this. You should do this. It would be good if you did this. That's not indicative of seeing the right person, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. My therapist leads me to the water, and then I have to figure out what to do to drink it, you know? Um, She helps lead me there, helps me form the right idea myself. Yeah. Um, And, you know, just to tie the thread on when's the right time to go, if you're second guessing it, go. If you're yeah. not sure, if you need help, if you're struggling, if you have some things on your chest that you feel you don't have a place for in your life mm-hmm. through friends and family or through your support system, go try it. It's not signing your life away. You can go one time and if you don't like it, don't go back. And that's important. That's an important distinction is that you can... It's not like a gym membership. Right. You know, you can go once and if you like it, you can go twice and you can stop at any time. And there's also services. Yeah. Um, I think there's a website. My friend was trying to get me to go to therapy actually. Um, and she put me onto a website where you pay a membership fee, like a one-time membership fee for access to um, a network of therapists and psychologists around the country. 
you put in like your, I think, zip code probably, mm-hmm. and it pairs you with a list of options in your region of therapists who in their free time do uh, cheaper pay structures for their services. So that um, if you don't have the money to do like a $90 an hour session, they have five hours a week that they do for 40 right. kind of thing. Um, I can't remember the, what the website was, but yeah, there's we'll services to, out there for that kind of thing. Sure. And yeah. we'll, we'll look into that after the show and provide mm-hmm. a link for that. And then I'll also provide a link. There's a great service out there. The name's escaping me as well now that I'm trying to think of it. But um, it's essentially an app that... Um, allows you to um, do a video therapy session mm-hmm. with qualified therapists. Mm-hmm. It's another good solution for some people. Yeah. Maybe more comfortable for some people than actually going and meeting with somebody. Yeah. There's just a lot of options. There's yeah. a lot of um, flexibility now in what it can be or how much it can cost or where it can happen. Yep. Um, because of the advent of technology, phones, and stuff like that. Right. Um and there's no, like we were talking about the guilt and the shame mm-hmm. that comes with these kind of conversations for some people. And um, it's that demystifying that and taking that stigma down is super key. So that people don't think that you only seek therapy when it's like at its absolute worst. Like even if you feel great, like even if life's in a good place, you can still benefit from yeah. therapy. Sure. You know, that's a great point. Um, it doesn't have to, you don't have to wait until it's like, this is the worst case scenario and right. I have to go now. It's like, you really can go whenever there's not really any, I don't see how it wouldn't benefit as long as you found the, uh, the right therapist, the one Definitely. that suits you, then good, bad, everything in between. I don't see how it could hurt. Yeah. You know? No. Yeah. You brought up a lot of great points there. Mm-hmm. And I think, the important thing to remember is that the responsibility falls on us to take care of our mental health. No one's going to yeah. do it for us. It'd yeah. be nice if they did, but it's too personal. Yeah. It's you got to do it. You got to put the shoes on and you got to tie them up. And even if you have a therapist, they're not going to do the work for you. Yeah. You have to be committed. To, you have to be committed to your own imbe- like betterment, like your yep. own progress. Um, uh, it's definitely important that you just have that foundational element of yourself where you're just committed to um, looking after yourself in with intent. Yeah. Um, and that can be a very complicated thing, but I hope that everyone uh, can find that for themselves in some way. Me too. Because um, it is a process. It is. And as I get older, I, it, it kind of is like being peeled back. I'm seeing more of the need for it. In my early 20s, I hadn't experienced enough or been through enough. It just I didn't have a perspective that allowed me to see the need for these kind of things. I Mm -hmm. couldn't really wrap my head around it. But as I get older and I see um, the long game of life, if I'm really trying to sustain myself and what I'm passionate about and be there for the people that I love, then it does come with certain elements of there's certain things to keep an eye on and mental yeah. health is one of them. And that's, it's especially over the last two years since Grayson passed, it has become a progressively more important thing, more relevant thing in my world to lend an ear to put an eye on it and figure out. Did you say his name was Grayson? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, shout out to him, man. This yeah. episode will Grayson. be dedicated to him for sure. 
Yeah. Um, thanks for sharing the story of him of and what impact that's had on you. Yeah. Um, it's nice to be able to kind of tie all that together for what some of those feelings you were feeling on self hate were about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely think with that perspective now, I'm going to go listen to it and probably appreciate it even more. Um, so there, there are some other things on therapy that I wanted to share and get into. I think I'm going to save them for another time, um, just to introduce it. Some other things that I'm doing or have done that have been helpful. I've done group therapy, Mm -hmm. um, DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy is one that I've done. I'm not familiar with that one. It's related to cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, Uh which is the more common of the two. Okay. Um, and it's essentially just all about putting time and space between, the emotions that you have mm-hmm. and the reaction um, or action that you take. Uh, okay. And it's yeah. really good for people with mood and thought disorders, yeah. things like bipolar disorder or borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, really effective treatment for helping them implement changes in their lives. Yeah. So just I wanted to shout that out. DBT is a good thing. I think everyone should learn it. Um, yeah. It's something that I wish they taught me in school. It feels like I'm, it feels academic to me. Like I'm learning how to, you know? Yeah, no, it is. Um, There are certain things that the school system does not provide. And, they don't uh, want us to know. Yeah, it's kind of, it is, it seems almost obvious when you say it out loud that yeah. having some kind of uh, curriculum for students that helps them wrap their head around their own mind and their emotions uh, makes sense that you would have that in school. Yeah. Um, however, no, nah, but y'all want to hear about not. Abe Lincoln, right? Exactly. <laughs> A bunch of stuff we don't need to know, but uh, you know, as long as we can pass this test, we can be as crazy as we want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another resource I wanted to shout out, um, I've been doing this for about four months now is the survivors of suicide loss group. Mm-hmm. through the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a phone number I'll provide in the link to the video here. Um, you can give them a shout. They have chapters all over the country, and you can essentially go be around other people who have lost people to suicide. Mm. And it has been such an incredible place for me, and I think my sister as well. She's been going. Yeah. Um a really neat place with people who get it and people who yeah. I feel like they don't judge me mm-hmm. um, and they bring nothing but like love and support. So that's been a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing is I've, I'll share some of my experiences around medication mm-hmm. cause I've played with that as well. Yeah. Um, through a hospitalization uh, about mm-hmm. a year and a half ago, started trying different antidepressant medications mm-hmm. I've been on an antipsychotic before. Mm-hmm. I've been on anti-anxiety medications. I've been on mood stabilizers. Mm-hmm. Um, you name the category of psychotropic, and I probably right. tried it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and this stuff is wild, man. Yeah, um, I firmly believe. I'm going off the record saying this, but I guess now it's on the record. But ninety percent of these drugs, I think comes down to the placebo effect i really mm. believe that and yeah. i've talked to mental health professionals who believe the same thing mm-hmm. um these drugs are powerful and it's a lot like pouring from a bucket to fill up a shot glass you're mm-hmm. gonna fill the cup but you're gonna make a mess yeah that's a good way to put it they don't really know the full way that these drugs affect you. And like the side effects can be crazy. 
um, yeah. when you're not on the right medication for you. And it takes a lot of time and trial and error to find something that just clicks and you have the right combination of things. Yeah. And, and it, it's scary. It, yeah. And it might change, you know, it, it shifts yeah. like what you need or what specific prescription you need or what you're going through is not stagnant. It, it's constantly, it's fluid. It's like always changing. So yeah. to yeah. get a diagnosis and prescription in real time is impossible. I got know. diagnosed and prescribed within 10 minutes. My first go around. Wow. There was a clock over my head. I heard it clicking and she's just asking me questions from a checklist. And by the end, she goes, you have depression. What antidepressant would you like to take? Huh. I said, I don't, I don't know what is, what are my choices? Do any of them come candy coated? Like, right. Gummy. Yeah. Like, like a little gummy bear. Chocolate or like something. Um, did but, you feel like, um, how did, how did that hit you? Like, did you feel like they were just kind of processing you or did you feel like she really listened? No, no way. No. Yeah. No, I felt like in like the waiting room was full. Mm -hmm. Um, it took me a month to get an appointment with her, if not longer. So like, I just felt like just going through the system and that's anyone who came in her office that day, got that treatment, right? No more, no less. Just the read you down the checklist and then yeah, give you whatever doctors have paid the most for in that office. I don't know. It's a pretty, yeah, pretty weird corrupt system that ends up in too many people getting prescribed medications when there are other options. Right. Well, and what you're saying, I liked how you put the um, filling a shot glass with a bucket of water. Yeah. It, there are a lot of substances, um, legal, illegal, and otherwise, that can benefit. However, in like terms of the illegal substances that can help benefit. Right. The drug culture pushes people to test the boundaries, and therefore they're doing things that can help have positive mental benefit in such ridiculous quantities yeah. that they're just fucking themselves up. Yeah. Um, like if you smoke like three ounces of weed a week and <laughs> yeah. you don't have money for other stuff and yeah, and like, it sounds funny, but it's like, that's reality for a lot of people. Yeah. hundred percent psychedelics. Mm -hmm. Um, even the studies with ketamine and the benefits that that can have on PTSD and like rewiring neurons in the brain. Um, you're still taking ketamine disassociated I don't take ketamine. <laughs> no, I'm saying not you personally. I'm saying if you take ketamine as treatment, it's like, yeah, you're still using ketamine. Yeah. And if you use it, you know, use it in a, a what you think, like if it were legal, uh, what yeah. a doctor would recommend you. Cause my one of my friends is a paramedic and they use ketamine and other substances even like fentanyl stuff like that in a medical uh environment uh, and obviously they use it in such tiny amounts because people are so sensitive to it but then you go to a party and somebody's doing like 12 times you know right. that so they're just getting completely blasted off earth and uh, at that point you're probably not necessarily helping yourself you're yeah. putting yourself in a vulnerable position where you might be damaging yourself more than helping yourself so uh it's an unfortunate result of the drug war that people don't get help or don't have any sense of what a reasonable dosage is for substances that are not innately bad right but because of drug culture and the drug war it's a weird competition to do as much as you humanly can to flex and look like the cool guy yeah um, when these things could really actually help a lot of people but they get a bad reputation for a lot of reasons but misuse so if i heard you correctly drugs make you cool 
Drugs are super cool. Okay. Scratch that from the record. No, um, no, no. So drugs are okay. Say it again. Drugs are okay. You know, drugs they're, can they're, be cool. They can be Comma. cool. Overall, overrated. And yeah. I think drugs are overrated. I will go on the record saying that. I, I will agree with you. Yeah. Not that I've ever done any drugs. I can't wait. No. <laughs> um, drugs all right. are I think overrated. We have... <laughs> but seriously. No, they're overrated. No, like, yeah, they really are. Yeah. Anyone, everyone that knows me knows how I feel. Like, I hang out, I do my thing, but drugs are not uh, high up on that list. I yeah. got better shit to do. Yep. Truly. Like, meditate. <laughs> actually don't God, meditate sound like a fucking loser i don't meditate but i'm meditation is it shares a lot of uh it's adjacent to like almost therapy yeah so i can definitely see how meditation would be important sure for me music is a hugely important part of how i balance myself out and um at the risk of sounding misinformed it helps me and in what i feel might be a similar sense of that therapy can help people mm-hmm. um but I'm not a professional, so I really don't know. Um, but I feel like I've found ways within my own life to balance the scales. Yeah. Um, and I try to keep an eye on it for sure. Cool. No, that's good, man. And yeah. I don't necessarily disagree with that logic that I, I can certainly see how music would provide you a therapeutic element. Performing um, it live. Even just especially. journaling is mm-hmm. a ther- like a form of therapy and you're doing that every yeah. time you write a song. Yeah, and I think there's power to just getting it out. Yeah. Just writing it down or saying it out loud. I think that there is a it's it's a weird thing to explain, but I do think that there is power in just writing it down and saying it out loud. Yeah. Um it separates it from you. It's not in you anymore. It's like you just put it somewhere. And I I don't know. For me that is an important element of my music and um, it benefits my mental health for sure. Performing it live benefits yeah. my mental health um, a lot. It's very cathartic. I always feel better after I perform. Yeah. Yeah. No, I believe it. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, I think we have time if you want to do one more acapella yeah. and then we can uh, get ready to wrap for the day. It's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed talking to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Thank man. Yeah. Everyone who's watching or listening, make sure you check out Zero um, on Facebook, Instagram, Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes, Facebook. Everywhere. MySpace, Friendster, Exanga. Vampire Freaks. Vampire Freaks. Yeah, my Cr- Vampire Freaks page. Christian cool. Mingle. like Especially Christian Mingle. Just check it out. Um, check out the pre v day show february 13th at the moth light i will be there yeah. i'm gonna hit him with the title it's got this long crazy get it over is this bombastic title it's the sad boy bad boy pre day v day eat your heart out let your art out kickback party that is a name All i'm right. not gonna remember that but it's fun to say it is i'm gonna it's like i wrote a rap and made it the title of the show. Nice. And there's going to be food, photo booths, music, bring an appetite, come early, come celebrate. Cool. That's Sounds like a blast, pitch. man. I'm excited. Me too. What uh, what acapella are you going to do for us now? Um, This is my personal favorite off of the record. Cool. Um, This is to a song called No Entry, No Escape, which... um. I It, it was a strange mantra, or a, it was a strange concept there's this weird idea in my head and i would routinely think of it it would pop into my mind and i would share it online 
put it on uh, Instagram before it was even a song. It was just this concept, no entry, no escape. Um, and I was doing it for probably the last, like uh, easily two years before the song was even a thing. It was just like this weird phrase that stuck with me and it resonated with me and I held on to it and I just used it for these different purposes. But coming into writing the, the self-hate as a viable currency project, it really came into its own um, and so I wrote a song that is specifically detailing feelings uh, revolving around the loss of of what inspired the project. Okay. Yeah. Cool, man. Looking forward to hearing it. Hey, no entry, no escape. Yet to pick a date. I am the embodiment of ain't been feeling great. Ain't been saving face. Acting out of desperation just to plead my case I've been coming out the garden only just to break the vase No flowers, just the spades, scissor hands, I'm twisting blades And this is only just to say That I've been digging graves and finding ways to jump the gates Damn, I'm admonishing my fate, my reconnaissance the chase And I done fell a thousand times and barely caught a strain I done carried worlds of burden, barely felt the strain But the daily murder mysteries is where I felt the pain Damn Death dealers making gains off of coffins that been laced. Fentanyl, the sentinel, the sentiment been strange. What a way to learn the range went from misery to rage. Damn. Yeah. Nice. Thanks, man. Of course. I hear that. I hear that a little bit differently now with the perspective of what the tape's really about. Um, It's got to be cathartic and hard for you to get up there and put your all into that each night that you do but i appreciate that you do it yeah it hits different every time i do it sure for sure and it's weird when you're in the moment when you're in that headspace you're giving a a performance you're trying to elevate yourself emotionally to provide this performance for people and um it's weird when you do get lost in that moment and i hit these thresholds where like performing that song i've yeah. begun to tear up before sure that sets me off because i'm emotionally elevated to mm-hmm. give the performance and then i like have to while i'm on stage in front of everyone kind of dial it back and be like all right before i like actually <laughs> go too far and like start bawling right like so it's there are very real emotions attached that are deeply rooted in me when i'm performing this stuff so um there's definitely an element of like uh, that sincere feeling when I'm doing this live. Yeah, man. Um, well, I definitely feel it. And that's what this show is all about. Getting yeah. in your feels and finding a way to let it out, whether it's yeah. through talking or through music or through poetry, visual art. Um, there's really not a limit on the way you can do justice to that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's all the time we have for today, man. I'm really grateful that you came and joined me in this uh, part four of the hip hop series. Thank you for having Um, me For those watching and listening, it has been a pleasure to have Musashi Zero on the show tonight. That's Mm M-U-S-A-S-H-I-X-E-R-O. That's it. Musashi. Musashi. Um, Until next time, don't forget to breathe. This has been Rob Lovati with episode 11 of Breathing Room.